this is Andre Tomlin from The Mental Elf. I'm here with Pookie Knight-Smith. I'm being filmed by Pookie's uh, video camera, and I'm recording a podcast <laughs> all, as yeah, we speak. a lot going on. Really <laughs> odd, but hello, everyone. Hello. And Andre's not an actual elf, which is always a bit disappointing, but, you know. Yeah, I do get that. Oh, that's what you look like yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for those of you who don't know Pookie, Pookie is a mental health advisor and educator and speaker and vlogger and just general amazing woman um, who has been really inspirational to me over the years. So thank you for all the advice and support. And um, I really love the way you do evidence-based and really accessible. That's the thing that I think is really successful about what you've done over the last few years. What I try and do is kind of, yeah, try and make stuff a little bit more accessible because I kind of feel like actually when it comes to mental health we can all do something but a lot of people feel completely helpless and unable to do stuff and sometimes the yeah the, the clinical best practice and the evidence base feels kind of somewhere out of reach and I try and make it a little bit more grabbable <laughs> yeah well you do that really well thank you so we're at IAPT Connect 19 this is a uh, digital mental health conference organized by Maiden and there's going to be lots of um, mental health providers and psychologists and um, digital tech people in the room um, and you're doing the opening remarks, so you've got 15 minutes to kind of yeah. get everybody excited. How are you feeling about that? Well, basically, so we're going to be in a room full of people who really know what they're talking about, and, and then I start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so, yeah, I was saying to you before, I've increasingly been asked to do these kind of, you know, opening uh, talk type things, which I love, and it's, it's a great honour and a privilege to be able to do it. But being able to kind of make people feel something and hopefully do something in such a short space of time is quite a challenge. So, yeah, I try and keep it, yeah, relatively simple and hopefully get people yeah thinking so listen up if you're a clinical psychologist or um, a psychotherapist or a counselor somebody who sits down and talks to people about their mental health these are three excellent questions that Pookie is going to ask so the first one is does your patient know you care yeah, so I started with that because my whole thing today is the, the event is all about digital and actually I'm trying to bring the kind of human side of it and actually thinking about how uh, digital can sometimes enable us to be more human because it takes away some of the other stresses and strains of our jobs and that sort of thing. Um, and so when I was thinking about, well, how are we more human with our patients, with our clients, um, the first thing I thought that was of note is everyone in the room will be here today because they care. Like you don't come into this profession um, for the for the glory or the money or any of those things you know everyone I've ever worked with who's who's worked in this profession has done it because fundamentally they they care um, but our patients don't always know that and having sat on both sides of that conversation um, I have definitely as a patient felt you know I'm in a room with someone who just fundamentally doesn't give a crap about me um, and that's wrong um, and so it's about well how do you enable your patient to know that you care and also that they know that they're worth caring about which again when you're in a really dark place can be yeah quite quite difficult so I suppose intuitively a lot of people who work face to face think that digital doesn't help with that because it doesn't give you the kind of eye to eye kind of contact to actually communicate that but you're saying that it helps in some way so I'm interested to say more about that so there's a whole different range of ways that kind of digital can help us. Sometimes it's simple stuff about, you know, reducing workload a bit so we spend less time kind of form crunching and more time face-to-face. But, yeah, of course, some of the kind of digital um, initiatives mean that we're, we're not face-to-face and we're maybe interacting virtually. Um, but, yeah, you know, in, in my experience, for some people, that can lead to, 
a better and stronger connection because it's less scary. You know, people like me, people on the autistic spectrum who bluntly find this stuff really hard, if we're talking online, actually that's that's much easier. Um, and you can you can break down some of those barriers. And we know that, you know, for people for whom, yeah, social interaction is hard um, or, you know, even just physically kind of getting out, getting yourself out into an appointment can be really difficult. And again, digital can sometimes sort of enable that to happen. So it, I think it, it, it opens things up. Um, and the mistake we can sometimes think is is that, yeah, digital is depersonalizing things when if we approach it in the right way, sometimes those connections are even stronger and deeper. Yeah, brilliant. So question number two um, for people in the room and for people watching, do you know what scares your patients? Yeah, so again I, I was somewhat you know that whole thing I always do of drawing both on the professional experience but also on my kind of personal experience and I was thinking about what really would make a difference to me as a patient with someone in the room trying to create that kind of human connection um, and I think quite often the things that scare us as a patient as a client are completely different than what the professional in the room might imagine um, and sometimes they are things that might seem um, quite small um, and it might be quite actionable for, for you helping me um, but for me it feels completely insurmountable um, but we don't know if we don't ask and I think sometimes we make a lot of assumptions we kind of tell someone's story for them and we think we know why they're here um, and so actually just stopping and understanding well what does scare you what can I help you with I think is is really really important and yeah can help us to to move forward so you know drawing I guess on, on kind of personal experience for for me when I was engaging in therapy the hardest bit for me was often not the stuff in the room but my paralyzing fear of trains and just getting to the appointment so I would arrive already completely panic-stricken and not in a great place to engage and it was only then you know when that was picked apart and we've gone right well let's find some different ways of doing this so I was able to arrive in a different way and therefore slightly calmer that I could begin to actually engage with the therapy so sometimes it's simple things so how do you think professionals should get that information out of the clients do you just basically say what scares you here or yeah I think it's about creating that kind of safe space where we feel able to openly talk um, without fear of judgment but also genuinely caring and listening for that response because I think that sometimes we have so many things we have to do and we, we go straight into kind of all our form filling and our outcomes measures and stuff when actually we've got to remember that fundamentally in front of us is a human being and it might not take very long to make that connection um, and to kind of yeah build those bridges to yeah just ask the question and listen to the answer fun you know that's the key thing yeah third and final question which is deeply philosophical um, in <laughs> September 2019 in Brexit Britain uh, what is good here <laughs> yeah so this is about um, looking at um, people who are struggling through a lens of strength rather than the lens of kind of weakness or challenge so you may have in front of you someone who is um, I don't know self-harming or suicidal or who's got various special needs or whatever's going on and often they've come into you and that's what you know about them you've got a list of things you know this person is you know currently doesn't have good living conditions they don't have a good network around you know all these things about them but what you don't know about them are their kind of you know 
know, what we would call their protective factors. And everybody has at least one. Everybody does. So even people in the most desperate circumstances, if you stop and you talk to them, there will be, you know, someone or something which is a little glimmer of light in their life. And if we're able to kind of flip the conversation and instead of seeing them as their big list of problems, we see them as someone who has something going for them, then it helps us to view them differently and helps them to view themselves differently too. So like, again, taking a personal example, I had a psychiatrist a few years ago who after having met me um, for an initial diagnostic conversation, he wrote me a letter that started, um, Pookie has no hobbies or interests. Um, And I don't remember what the rest of the letter said, but at the time I was in a really dark place and that sent me into a massive spiral of, oh gosh, I'm nothing, Um, as as it might, you know. (laughs) Um, And then I flip that and, and compare it to the discharge letter I recently got from a very different psychiatrist who practiced in a very different way who really encouraged my love of climbing Um, and in her discharge letter you know one of the first things that she mentioned was you know in the time that I've known Pookie and she's been recovering from um, anorexia she's become a really really keen climber and she talked about how important that was to my recovery and I don't know that was a lens through which she viewed me and her encouragement about that was really important I don't know and it it, yeah helped me reframe myself a bit I guess I I, I don't know but yeah essentially looking at strength rather than weakness everybody has got some strengths whether it's you know one person that they really care about and rely on whether it's an encyclopedic knowledge of snails or whatever everyone has something so yeah if we find it we can we can recast our view of them Brilliant. Good luck with the talk. I know it's going to go down really well with the people in the room. Um, And yeah, thanks a lot for being the first person on the podcast for IAPT Connect 19. (laughs)